Today on the Ward Preacher Podcast, Defense and Power, Guilt and Sacrifice. I'm Brett Jensen and this is the Ward Preacher Podcast. All right, today's Come Follow Me curriculum will bring us to Alma chapters 17 through 22. So we take a little bit of a break from what Alma has been doing uh, in the land of Zarahemla, and we see what the four sons of King Mosiah have been up to. Um, And they set the stage in Alma 17, kind of explaining what their desire is. Let's read a few of these verses. This is Alma chapter 17, verses 13 through 17. And it came to pass that when they had arrived in the borders of the land of the Lamanites, that they separated themselves and departed one from another, trusting in the Lord that they should meet again at the close of their harvest. For they supposed that great was the work which they had undertaken, and assuredly it was great, for they had undertaken to preach the word of God to a wild and a hardened and a ferocious people, a people who delighted in murdering the Nephites and robbing and plundering them, and their hearts were set upon riches or upon gold and silver and precious stones. Yet they sought to obtain these things by murdering and plundering, that they might not labor for them with their own hands. Thus they were a very indolent people, many of whom did worship idols and did And the curse of God had fallen upon them because of the traditions of their fathers. Notwithstanding, the promises of the Lord were extended unto them on the conditions of repentance. Therefore, this was the cause for which the sons of Mosiah had undertaken the work, that perhaps they might bring them unto repentance, that perhaps they might bring them to know of the plan of redemption. Therefore they separated themselves one from another, and went forth from among them, every man alone, according to the word and power of God which was given unto him. All right, so their goal is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to a bunch of people that were likely to hate them and and want to kill them, probably try to kill them. This seems a little bold. Um, but uh, they believed very firmly in the power of redemption. This was very fundamental to their experience because they had started out being not good and had had a change of heart themselves. They knew something about the power of God to forgive and to change people. So as we begin this portion of the story, uh, focus is given to Ammon, who goes to the land of Ishmael. Almost immediately when he's found, he is brought as a prisoner before the king of that part of the land, whose name is King Lamoni. Um, Ammon expresses his desire to live among the Lamanites, even perhaps until the day he dies. Well, this impresses Lamoni a great deal. And so he offers him one of his daughters to marry. 
Ammon refuses to marry his daughter and instead offers to become a servant. Now, some people like to make jokes about what kind of woman was so awful that servitude was preferable. And of course, these jokes are funny and you should laugh at them. Um, but more likely, this is something that uh, helped Ammon keep his relationship uh, more debt-free. He didn't owe anything to Lamoni for giving him a wife or, or anything else. He was a servant. Um, so he didn't have the same kind of obligations to him uh, that he might have had had he been entrusted with one of his daughters. And that made, I believe, that made his hard work, his courageous service, and his strong defense that he was about to, to uh, engage in all the more surprising to King Lamoni. Um, so Ammon's first task as servant of King Lamoni was to watch the king's flocks. Um, he had some animals, uh, and he was in charge of walking them, uh, watching them with some of the other servants of Lamoni. So as they're taking these flocks over to the place where they're going to get water, some other Lamanites, who for mischief or theft or exerting power or any combination of these, uh, they desired the, the um, bloodshed of their brethren, the punishment of their brethren. They were not good guys, basically bullies. They came and scattered the flocks of the king. The other servants of King Lamoni feared that they would be slain because, given charge of the flocks, they had lost them. And it's very interesting. Uh, Mormon used the uses the term flattering, that Ammon used flattering words to encourage the other servants to gather them back to, together. Um, flattering is usually used in kind of a negative connotation, telling some telling people things that you don't believe about them to sway them. Um, I, I, I don't get the sense that that's what this was. He was encouraging them. He was pointing out their best qualities that they were able to gather flocks. They had guided them to that place that they could quickly go and regather them and it would be okay. And they were successful in gathering these animals. But the Lamanites who had initially scattered them had come again to repeat their mischief. So Ammon tells the other servants to encircle the flocks to keep them from running away, and that he would deal with these antagonists himself. So there's a lot of these Lamanites who were coming to scatter the flocks, and they saw this single Nephite here standing against them, and they thought that they could probably overpower him pretty easily. But to their surprise, Ammon pulled out a sling, and using stones that he threw with great force, slew several of them. That's like not just injured, he killed them. That's a lot of force. So these Lamanites became angry and tried to overwhelm him with their clubs. But Ammon used his sword. He slew the leader of this group and smote off 
all of the arms of those who lifted their clubs to attack him. Uh, essentially, he drove them away single-handedly. This large group of thugs uh, he defeated and drove away. Um, now, the other servants were surprised that he was able to do this himself. And they knew that if they just tried to explain this to the king, the king might not believe them. So they carried the arms with them to confirm their testimony of Ammon's powerful defense. So King Lamoni had not expected these results. He could tell that something was different about this situation, and this led him to a new train of thought. Now, this difference, this noticing something is not normal, this is a critical element of conversion, whether from within or without the church. If everything is always the same and all behaviors are treated equally, then why not do the selfish thing? Why not make the selfish choice? What convinces a person in any degree of control that they should voluntarily change how they exercise that control to something that might seem disadvantageous. Well, of course, there has to be something that convinces them that things are more than what they seem, something to contrast against other experiences that might indicate the opposite. Now, the lack of this difference or misunderstanding of this critical change is something that leads people to repetitively look for solutions in places that frequently do not offer them. For example, those who put their faith in politics. Politics is largely the same as it ever has been. Politicians make promises or implications that are not even in their power to provide, and they spend a great deal of their time trying to maintain political power, uh, throwing away principles to broker friendships for temporary uh, abilities to control things. Individuals live with the same or similar problems, frequently convinced that, oh, the next election will change things. But they've been doing this for decades. You could also see the same pattern in like a gambling addict, a lottery that advertises huge win winnings and a tremendous jackpot, and they'll advertise a very small number of people who have won, and look at how much money they have now, and wouldn't you like that? Um, and then people end up going to great lengths to try to get tickets. I've seen people in in the state of Utah, drive to Wyoming or Idaho or other places out of state at a significant expense to go get tickets for these uh, lotteries. Um, and of course, they don't win, and they end up living with the same or similar problems, frequently convinced that the next ticket will change things. You can observe similar patterns uh, among alcoholics. The next drink will make the problems less bad. 
social media influencers. Uh, you know, as, as long as I've got enough likes, then I will have value and I'll be respected. I'll feel loved. Infomercial advertisements. If you get this product, it will make all the difference in your life. Multi-level marketing schemes. And of course, the Lamanite Society of King Lamoni. Now this is important because God uses a variety of techniques to try to convey the most important message of all, that you are his child and that he can actually help you solve all of your problems, that doing good is better than doing bad. And this goes against the observations that typical Lamanite society provided. King Lamoni had killed people who had not served him correctly, um, and he had experienced no negative consequences from that. He was king. He was entitled to kill people who bothered him. But when he realized that something was different about Ammon, what was this guy doing here? He came to a different realization. Maybe I'm a part of the problem. For Lamoni, it took a combination of selfless service, courage, and competence. Now, if Ammon, if we look at each of those, if Ammon had not been willing to help others to provide selfless service, then uh, and even to those with less than stellar behavior, uh, then Lamoni would likely have continued his actions indefinitely. He needed to experience some selfless service. If Ammon, the second point, with courage, if Ammon had been overly concerned about his personal well-being, then in rising to the defense of his fellow servants, then Lamoni probably would not have noticed anything terribly odd about this servant who, you know, he some of the flocks got away, he gathered them up later, and that was it. Um, it, it wouldn't have made the impact that it did had Ammon not had courage to stand up for what was right. And finally, competence. If Ammon had not been skilled enough with his sling and sword, in addition to exercising the faith in God that was necessary to make these things work altogether, he might have been either killed or seriously injured. And that would not have the same impact on Lamoni as being totally unscathed, single-handedly defeating a mob of thugs. Uh, he needed to have the competence to be able to do that. And these things combined to make Lamoni start to experience guilt. You are capable of bringing an element of the uncommon to encourage people to look at themselves if you do some similar things that are unexpected. Forgive. People don't expect mercy. Be brave. People don't expect courage. Gain competence. People do expect that if someone is going to offer help, it will come in the form of well-wishing 
or greater awareness, or perhaps an avatar customization on social media, not an actual solution. Fundamentally, also, before we encourage change in others, before we encourage others to walk the covenant path that begins with realizing the need for faith and penitence, we have to understand that guilt comes from being inadequate, and we have to use our own guilt to motivate us to become better. Finally, sacrifice. King Lamoni and his family are ultimately converted. They are persuaded, they have uh, incredible spiritual experiences, and they are led to believe in Jesus Christ and his atoning power. King Lamoni's father encounters Ammon and Lamoni, and uh, they get into a little bit of a scuffle, and the father of King Lamoni is surprised, again, by the same principles, the selflessness, the courage, and the competence of Ammon in defending Lamoni. And this stark difference inspires King Lamoni's father to make changes in his own life. Uh, Aaron is released from prison, and he is the one who teaches King Lamoni's father. And I'd like to read some of these passages. This is in Alma chapter 22, verses 13 through 18. And Aaron did expound unto him the scriptures from the creation of Adam, laying the fall of man before him, and their carnal state, and also the plan of redemption, which was prepared from the foundation of the world through Christ, for all whosoever would believe in his name. And since man had fallen, he could not merit anything of himself, but the sufferings and death of Christ atoned for their sins, through faith and repentance, and so forth, and that he breaketh the bands of death, that the grave shall have no victory, and that the sting of death should be swallowed up in the hopes of glory. And Aaron did expound all these things unto the king, and it came to pass that after Aaron had expounded these things unto him, the king said, What shall I do? that I may have this eternal life of which thou hast spoken. Yea, what shall I do that I may be born of God, having this wicked spirit rooted out of my breast, and receive his spirit, that I may be filled with joy, that I may not be cast off at the last day? Behold, said he, I will give up all that I possess. Yea, I will forsake my kingdom, that I may receive this great joy. But Aaron said unto him, If thou desirest this thing, if thou wilt bow down before God, yea, if thou wilt repent of all thy sins, and wilt bow down before God, and call upon his name in faith, believing that ye shall receive, and shalt thou re then shalt thou receive the hope which thou desirest. And it came to pass that when Aaron had said these words, the king did bow down before the Lord upon his knees, yea, even he did prostrate himself upon the earth, and cried mightily, saying, O God, Aaron hath told me that there is a God, and if there is a God, and if thou art God, wilt thou make thyself known unto me, and I will give away all my sins to know thee, and that I may be raised from the dead and be saved at the last day. And now when the king had said these words, he was struck as if he were dead.
So after that passage, it goes on to explain that after some time, the king arose. He testified. He had gained a witness of the truths of Jesus Christ and of his gospel. Significant in this passage is the king's willingness to sacrifice. Even though he had a kingdom and power and wealth, he recognized that he lacked something of greater value, and he believed in its value enough to be willing to sacrifice. God has always asked us to sacrifice. In the early days, it was animal sacrifice, and that's notable because people had animals for survival, whether that meant labor, meat, milk, clothing. Animals were vital to humanity, and giving up an animal, not just a bad one, but the best of your flock, for the Lord, that meant something. It showed that the Lord's way was more important than other concerns. In modern times, although we do not sacrifice animals, we are asked to sacrifice. Sometimes this means tithing. is particularly important in modern times where so much is governed by money. Do you believe the kingdom of God is more important than 10% of your money? Fasting, to give up our comforts, is not just to help us better relate to those who are without, although that could be a benefit as well. It is a means of demonstrating that we believe in God more than we believe in staying comfortable. Serve us in the Church of Jesus Christ, bishops, stake presidents, mission presidents, relief society presidents, compassionate service leaders, and every other calling in the Church is performed by unpaid service. It answers the question of, do we believe enough in the kingdom of God to actually help build it? King Lomonoi's father was willing to give up all of his sins. This is something that can be difficult even for the best of us to fully do today. There's The, the sacrifice is always in our favor, though. No matter what God asks of us, there's nothing that we can give up that God will not reward at a much higher level. Jesus Christ laid down his life and now stands as a great king over all, offering all those who overcome a place in his kingdom. Ultimately, sacrifice brings forth the blessings of heaven. Selflessness, courage, and competence can help us identify the critical differences that inspire real change. Dedication can help us gain the power to defend against literal spiritual threats. We appreciate all the support for the Word Preacher podcast. Next week, we will be looking at Alma chapter 23 through 29, uh, the anti-Nephi-Lehi's, and the power of conversion. Of course, there's a lot of stuff we did not cover in the reading uh, with today's podcast. Please read this uh, independently and with your family. And of course, as always, fight on.